I'm supposed to talk about parenting today, and the title I've been given is Love Powered Parenting. <clears throat> if I was to choose my own title, I would say Parenting Isn't for Cowards. <laughs> Everyone who has a kid knows that it's tough to be a parent or tough to be a grandparent. It can be a difficult job, it can be a demanding job. And just about the time you get experienced at it, just about the time that you know what you're doing, your kids go out the door. You don't really learn how to be a good parent until your kids have grown up. And today there's just many, many confusing voices and many different opinions about what it takes to be a good parent. I read about a young guy who had five theories on parenting and no kids. Later he had five kids and no theories. <clears throat> so where do you go for help? When, when you look at what it means to be a good parent, who do you look to for a model? My mom and dad were wonderful parents. They did a great job. I, I admire them. But they were not perfect parents. Kathy and I have tried to be good parents, and certainly we know we're not perfect parents. There's only actually one parent in history who is perfect, and that is your Heavenly Father. Matthew 5.48 says this, Be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. So that's a pretty high standard. God is the model for parenting. I, I think we confuse and complicate parenting way too much. I, I really don't think parenting should be all that complicated. You can be a great parent if you learn this simple secret. And here, here's this whole message I'm going to give you today in one sentence. Treat your kids the same way God treats you. If you get that, you'll, got, you'll get what I had to say today. Treat your kids the same way God treats you. If you're going to be a you know, the great kind of parent, if you're going to be the kind of grandparents to your grandkids, if you treat them the way God treats you, then the first thing you've got to do, you've got to understand what makes them tick. That's the bottom line. I've got to understand. Psalm 103 verse 13 says, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He knows how we're formed. God knows what makes us tick. He understands us. God knows all about our makeup. He understands our personality. He knows what we're made of. He remembers that we are only dust. <clears throat> Friends, because God understands us, He can parent us in the right way. So let's learn some things about what it means to be a good parent. Here, If you're going to take notes today, <clears throat> write this one down. I must learn to understand my kids. I think the, the number one complaint that kids have about their parents is they don't understand me. Proverbs 24 verse 3 says, homes are built on the foundation of wisdom and understanding. God says that's the foundation, that's the bottom line. So he says we need to know our kids, we need to study our kids, we, know, we need to know what makes them the way they are. Every single child has a unique personality and a unique temperament. Those of you who have had more than one child, you know they can be as different as night and day. Even though they're raised in the same family, even though they're raised in the same environment, they are different as night and day. So it doesn't work to motivate them all the same way. Since they don't all have the same strengths, they don't all have the same weaknesses, they don't all have the same talents or abilities or interests, you can't try to squeeze them all into the same mold. Every single one of them is different. <clears throat> Friends, you're just one in seven billion people in the world. 
Every one of us is unique, and so that's something we got to learn to understand. Proverbs 22, verse 6 is, is perhaps the best-known verse in, in the Bible about child training. It says, Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. I think it's one of the best-known verses, but I also think it's one of the least understood verses in the Bible. Train up a child. The, the Hebrew word for train, hanak, it means to dedicate. Dedicate a child. It's the same word that is used to dedicate a house or to dedicate the temple. The word liter literally means to dedicate, to narrow the use, to narrow, to hedge in. When a temple is dedicated, its use is narrowed. This building is not just a building to be used for everything. It's a building to be used just for worshiping God. The idea from the verse is that child training involves narrowing a child's conduct away from evil and towards good and godliness. It means getting them started on the right track. Train them, narrow them in the way that they should go, the proper way, the godly way. Start them on the right path. The problem I think a lot of parents have with this verse is you need to understand this is not a promise. This is a proverb. Proverbs from the Bible are wise sayings, not mathematical formulas. If you do A plus B, then you'll get C. No, it's not that. It's a wise saying. It's a general truth. Most people misunderstand this word. I, I grew up hearing this verse translated like this. When your kids are little, take them to Sunday school, take them to church every week, teach them the Bible, get them to memorize Scripture, make sure they come to know the Lord, make sure they get baptized, put all this in them when they're young. Then, then when they get older, sure, they're going to go off on their own in their teenage years. They're going to sow a few wild oats. They're going to go their own way. They're going to do their own thing. But later on in life, maybe even at the very end of life on their deathbed, they'll remember what they were taught in Sunday school. And with their dying gasp, they'll say, I repent. Now, two things about that interpretation. Maybe you've heard it not so dramatic, but similar. It's absolutely no comfort to a parent. Your kids waste their life, and then on their deathbed, they come back. That's no comfort. That's a challenge. And the second thing is, it's just not true. I know a lot of people whose kids grew up in Christian homes, and they are nowhere near the Lord today. And I know a lot of people who have died without coming back to the Lord. So it's just not true. What does the verse mean? I said it's not a promise. It's a proverb. The key to understanding this verse is the word way. Train up a child in the way he should go. You've got to narrow their focus. You've got to get them started in the proper direction, the godly way. Get them started on the path of the wise. Psalm 37 verse 23 said, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their life. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. The job of a parent is to get your kids started on the path of godliness, on the path of righteousness. Psalm 119, verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. We want to get our children, our grandchildren, on the path of righteousness, on the path of godliness. Isaiah 48, 17 says, I am God, your God, who teaches you how to live right and well. I show you what to do and where to go. So our job as parents is to get our kids started in the right direction, in a godly direction. And then when we do that, we let God lead them in His own way, in His unique way. So friends, 
the first thing you've got to do is you've got to learn to understand your kids. You've got to understand their natural temperaments. If they're shy, don't try to make them boisterous and outgoing. If they're boisterous and outgoing, don't try to make them shy. You've got to understand them. Okay, Rob, what's the proof of understanding? Proverbs 14, 29. A man of understanding has, say it with me, has patience. The proof that you understand your children is that you're patient with them. That's the proof. When you understand your kids, then you're patient with them. And you know what's going on in their life. And you know where they're coming from. So that's the first thing. The second thing, I must learn to accept my children. Let's do a little survey. How many of you are perfect? Let's see a raise of hand. Well, let me tell you something. You're not perfect, and God accepts you just the way you are. That's God's grace. God accepts you the way you are. God wants you to accept your children just the way they are. That's called grace. You accept your children. We have a tendency to reject our kids when they mess up. We have a tendency when they, when they don't look the way we want them to look, when they don't act the way we want them to act, when they don't dress the way we want them to dress, when they don't meet our standards, we have a tendency to reject them. But God says accept them. Psalm 127 verse 3 says, children are a gift from God, they are his reward. Children are a gift from God. Okay, let me just ask you this question. Have you received them as a gift? Have you received your children as a gift? God chose the kids you're going to have. God put them in your family. You didn't choose your kids. He chose them. He used your genes, but he's the one who put them together. And since God chose them for you and gave them to you as a gift, you need to accept them as a gift, just the way they are. Romans 15:7 says, accept one another just as Christ has accepted you. Friends, God in His wisdom has custom designed the children that He put in your family. You need to accept them as a gift from God and not try to conform them into your own likeness. We need to affirm our kids' own uniqueness. So, as parents, you send out signals every day. The signal we usually send out to our kids is, you need to be just like me. You need to be interested in the things I'm interested in. You need to do as good in school as I did. You need to be as athletic as I was. You need to be as interested in the piano or not interested in the piano as I was. Or maybe even worse, maybe your attitude is you need to be better in school than I was. You need to be more athletic than I was. When you lack appreciation for the way God made your child, it eventually tells your child that if you want, To be accepted by me, you can't be who God made you to be. The only way to get acceptance around this house is by performance. If I've got to be like my parents in order to be accepted, see, friends, that's a real tragedy. That's a heartbreaking thing. If I'm going to be like my Heavenly Father, I need to understand my children. I need to accept my children. And number three, I must learn to discipline my children. Hebrews 12, 6 says, the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. It's a sign of God's love when you're disciplined. If you say you're a Christian, and you're sinning, and you're not being disciplined, then you need to ask yourself, am I even really a Christian? 
Because the evidence of being a Christian, of being loved by God, is that when you're sinning, when you're doing wrong, when you're messing up, He will bring discipline on your life. The Bible says that if I don't discipline my kids, then two things are true. Number one, it proves I really don't love my kids. Proverbs 13, 24, if you love your children, you will correct them. If you don't love them, you won't correct them. So if I let my kids get away with anything and everything, what it really shows is I don't care much about them. The second thing the Bible says, if I don't discipline my kids, I'm participating in their destruction. Proverbs 19, 18, discipline your children while they're young enough to learn. If you don't, you're helping them to destroy themselves. Now, when we're talking about discipline, this is a tricky subject because we need to recognize there is a difference between discipline and punishment. God never punishes his children, but he does discipline them. All the punishment for your sins was taken by Jesus Christ on the cross. So ask yourself, why would God let Jesus take all the punishment on the cross for all of my sins and then punish me for the same things himself? He won't. All the punishment for every wrong thing you will ever do and every wrong thing your kids will ever do, he's already taken on the cross. That's why the Bible says this, Romans 8.1, you know this verse very well. There is now no condemnation. There's no punishment for those who are in Christ Jesus. Friends, God doesn't punish his children, but he does discipline them. So what's the difference between discipline and punishment? Let's take a look. I'd like you to write these things down. Whether you're a parent, a grandparent, a school teacher, someone who knows a kid, just let me tell you what I think the differences are. The purpose of punishment is to inflict penalty. I want to penalize you for what wrong you've done. Punishment always looks backwards. The purpose of discipline is to promote growth. I want to correct you. I want to train you. I want to make you better so it will help you in the future. The focus of punishment is on the past. The focus of discipline is on the future. You did wrong in the past, and you're going to pay for it now. No, I want you to do better in the future, so I'm going to discipline you to help you do better in the future. The attitude of the parent in punishment is anger. We punish out of anger. <clears throat> I'm angry at you for what you've done. The attitude of the parent in discipline is love. I, wanna, I want you to make it in this world. I don't want you to keep making the same mistake over and over again. I want to help you. And so there's, a, there's an attitude of love. The Bible says that God will punish the wicked that reject him, but he doesn't punish his own children. He disciplines them. Friends, <clears throat> I don't spank the neighbor's kids. I don't even spank my own grandkids. It's not my job. God, God, God you know, isn't going <clears> to <throat> discipline or punish you for what you've done wrong when he's already put the penalty on Jesus. So don't discipline in anger. Discipline in love. What's the result? The result of punishment is always fear, guilt, and more anger. The result of discipline is security. I feel secure because I know there are parameters. I know there are boundaries. So how, how can you know the difference between when you're punishing and when you're disciplining? One way, this might be helpful for you, one way is to look at the child's reaction and ask yourself, is the child afraid of me right now? 
If your kids are afraid of you when you're dealing with them, then you need to really react and think, am I acting in anger or am I acting in love? Because 1 John 4.18 says there is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out all fear because fear has to do with what? Punishment. That's why Christians don't have to be afraid of God. He doesn't punish us. We don't fear God. We love God. He disciplines us for our own good. He doesn't punish us out of anger. That's why I, I, I think one of the reasons kids can grow up in a Christian home and end up rejecting their parents' faith is because they were not disciplined in love. They were punished in anger. Outwardly, they're conforming and they're obedient, but inwardly, they're, they're just full of resentment. They're boiling with anger and bitterness and guilt. And someday... It just explodes. It just pops out of them. We need to discipline our children the way God disciplines us. Let me ask you, is God gracious to you when he disciplines you? Come on, are you guys awake today? Is God gracious to you when he disciplines you? Yes. He's gentle with you. If we got what you deserved, none of you would be here today. I mean, how many often do, when you pray, you say, God... Just give me what I deserve today. You know, you know what you deserve? The wages of sin is death. Don't give me that, God. Give me mercy. We need to discipline our children the way God disciplines us. If God's gracious to us when he disciplines you, if he's, if he's gentle when he disciplines you, that's what we need to do with our kids. So how do you discipline? James Dobson's classic book, Dare to Discipline, it's a funny book, <clears throat> Kathy and I received a, a copy anonymously in the mail um, when we were trying to raise Kirk. <laughs> Somebody sent it to us and thought maybe we could use it. And um, he shared some things about disciplining kids that, that I think are very helpful. The first thing, he said, when you discipline your kids, discipline calmly. Discipline calmly. Never to relieve your own frustrations. How many times have I spanked my kids, not because they were being disciplined, but because I was just totally frustrated with them? God says, don't do that. Don't discipline in anger. <clears throat> Proverbs 29.11 says, a fool gives full vent to his anger. It's foolish to discipline your kids in anger. You're only hurting yourself in the long run. Ephesians 6.4 says, don't keep scolding and nagging your children, making them angry and resentful. Use loving discipline. Friends, how many of you like being nagged? Do you, do you like it? Does it work really well for you when people nag at you? I just don't think nagging works. Your kids don't like nagging any more than you like it. So don't do it. Don't confuse training your kids with nagging them. The second thing, first one's calmly. The second thing is quickly. Discipline quickly. Don't delay it. Don't, don't, don't use the famous, you just wait till your father gets home. Because there's too many things that go through a kid's mind to rationalize during that time. Do it quickly. Now, friends, discipline needs to be shared. No person in the family ought to play the heavy all the time. It should be divided between moms and dads, between husbands and wives. But do it quickly. Don't do it so far away from the event that, you know, that has a chance to pile up fear or rational things going on. Third thing, sparingly. Discipline sparingly, not all the time. 
You get more effect out of discipline if you don't do it all the time. Colossians 3.21, fathers, don't scold your children so much that they become discouraged and quit trying. Moms, if you've got toddlers around the house, rather than 2,000 times a day saying, don't touch that, come on, child-proof your house for a couple years. I mean, take the breakable things and put them away. You can get them back out when your kids don't have to be told. They, those things don't belong in the house with little toddlers anyway. Don't discipline kids for being kids. What, what you discipline your kids for is when they're rebellious. So when your child spills the milk at the table, don't discipline them. But if they throw the milk at you, do discipline them. There's a big difference. When kids are just being kids, that, that milk gets spilled. Number four, I must express love to my children. See, Point number one, that I need to understand my kids. So if you want to be a great parent, you need to express love in ways that they understand, which is often very different than the way adults understand love. There's three ways that kids understand love. One is through affection. And I'm talking about physical contact. I'm talking about hugs and kisses, pats on the back. If you don't, if you, maybe you didn't grow up in a family like that. So if you didn't grow up in a family that... that express physical affection, it can be a little awkward at first. Maybe, maybe your family wasn't a huggy, kissy family, <clears throat> so it can be a little awkward. But let me just tell you this, you can learn. You can learn it. Psalm 145 verse 9 says, the Lord has compassion on all he's made. Friends, God is very, very affectionate with us. Studies have shown that fathers are one-sixth as physically affectionate towards their kids as mothers. Dads, you need to have the courage to hug your kids, to kiss your kids, to show affection for them. You need to love on them. You need to show you care. A touch can actually re-energize a person, especially when they're uptight, especially when they're having a rough time. Give a loving touch to every member of your family. Through affection, the second one is through affirmation. The way you talk to them, Psalm 145, verse 14 says, The Lord upholds and uplifts those who are down. Do you know that we shape our kids by the way we talk to them? How do you talk to your kids? Do you, do you talk down to them or do you talk to them like they're people? Building them up rather than tearing them down. That gives them confidence. Everybody affirms you when you get straight A's. Everyone affirms you when you hit a home run. Everybody affirms you when you win a contest, but what about the times that you lose? What about the time that you didn't live up to standards? What about the time you struck out with the bases loaded? We all need to be affirmed. The next way is through attention. It's probably the number one way kids see that they're loved. When was the last time that you sat down with your kids or your grandkids and just had an eyeball-to-eyeball conversation and said to them, if I had the choice of any kid in the world, I'd choose you. I'd choose you. Psalm 145, verse 18, our Heavenly Father is near to us when we call on Him. We have, we have so many absentee dads these days. Even if they sleep in the same house, they're often absentee. They're not around. The University of Oregon recently did a study where they attached microphones to kids aged 8 to 12 and they monitored them for four weeks, and they found that the average father spent 38 seconds per day talking with his kids. 38 seconds. 
Compare that to what the Kaiser Family Foundation found. Kaiser Family Foundation said this kids in the same age, 8 to 12, spend an average of 7.5 hours today in front of some kind of screen. 4.5 hours watching TV and 3 plus hours on some kind of other device. Over a year, that adds up to 114 full days of screen watching. So let me ask you this. Where do you think they're getting their values from? Where are your kids learning about God? See, the missing link in what's happening in so many families today is just time together. It's the missing element. We live separate lives, each one of us going in a million different directions. And if anything that just ticks me off, it's the phrase quality time. I think quality time is just a cop-out for overcommitment. If you were to ask your kids, what do you want, quantity time or quality time? I guarantee you, they'll want quantity. Your kids just want you. They want you to be around. Spend time with your kids. How much time should I spend with my kids? That's easy. A lifetime. If I'm going to be like my heavenly father, I'll give them my attention, my affection, I'll affirm them, and I'll express it in ways that my kids understand. The fifth thing, I must learn to be consistent with my children. Psalm 145, verse 17, the Lord is righteous in all his ways. God is right in all his ways. God's consistent. Malachi 3, 6 says, I, the Lord, do not change. Hebrews 13, 18, 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Those verses declare that God's always the same. He doesn't ever change. He's always good. He's always loving. He's always powerful. No matter how much the world changes around us, we can trust that God is consistent. Did you know that? God's consistent? Here's something that you might not know. If you have kids, your house is bugged. There's little ears that are picking up every single thing that you say. So whether you like it, you're teaching 24-7. You're never off the record at home. They're watching. They're listening. Everything you say on the phone, how you respond to your spouse, you're teaching constantly by example. You need to be consistent and not hypocritical. Don't be Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Don't come to church on Sunday morning and, you know, and kind of sing Onward Christian Soldiers and then on Monday you're AWOL. You've got to live a consistent life before your kids. Proverbs 20, verse 7, it is a wonderful heritage to have an honest father. How do you demonstrate honesty? Two ways. Don't imply that you're perfect. You admit it when you're wrong. Sometimes you need to say to your kids, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Have you ever said that to your kid? I'm sorry, I was wrong. Don't pretend you're a perfect mom or dad. Be honest. The second thing, keep your promises. Psalm 145, verse 13, the Lord is faithful to all his promises. Ask the band to come back as we get ready to close. I think one of the most significant causes of bitterness in a family is broken promises. Dad, you promised to take me fishing. Well, son, things came up. Mom, 
You promise to, not now, not now, maybe later. Little minds actually can't distinguish maybe. Maybe really means to you, no. But it doesn't mean no to them. Maybe to them means maybe, probably. Be careful about the promises you make to your kids. If you're not trustworthy with your kids, what does it say to them, to little kids about God? The child comes to church and hears our Father who is in heaven. And they can think if, if the Father in heaven is like the Father at my house, then no thanks, because my Father isn't trustworthy. Why should I trust my heavenly Father? Some of you actually are new to this whole parenting thing, and it's kind of scary. Let me just tell you, if you're new to parenting, new to grandparenting, don't freak out. It's not that complicated. Remember what I told you at the very beginning? Treat my kids how? The way God treats me. If you do that, you'll be okay. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you're the perfect father. Thank you, Lord, that we can look to you as our model. In Jesus' name, amen.